Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor B.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the book of Genesis with this message entitled, How to Pass Test, Part 3, preached March the 10th, 2013. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Genesis chapter 22. So we are studying the life of Abraham, especially studying how he passed or failed the tests of faith. All of us who believe in Jesus Christ will be tested in terms of our life of faith throughout our life. And the test will end when we die in faith. So we have been studying the life of Abraham who is described as the father of all believers. And he had to go through many tests of life. He lived by obedience of faith. Without this obedience of faith, it is impossible to please God. Friends, it's not enough to confess our sin. We must forsake our sin and we must do what is right. Some people believe confession is all that is necessary. No. Abraham believed in the God of glory who appeared to him. He obeyed. He feared. He loved the almighty God El Shaddai. God for whom nothing was impossible. The just God, the righteous God, the merciful God, the forgiving God, the faithful God. He believed in a God who raises the dead. Who He believed in a God who justifies the ungodly. And makes him godly. Today we look at Genesis chapters 20, 21 and 22. And look at the tests he passed or failed. First test is Genesis 20. In chapter 20 we see Abraham and Sarah living. In the Philistine territory of Gerar. And it was ruled by a powerful king. By name Abimelech. Abraham did not seek any direction from God to go to Gerar. Even as he failed to seek direction to go to Egypt 25 years before. We notice that Abraham and Sarah are not progressing in their spiritual life. Rather, they are regressing. They lied to King Abimelech about their marriage. Before the couple had left Haran, they entered into an agreement to lie about their marriage wherever they encountered danger. 
Sarah was very beautiful. We read chapter 12, 11 and 14. She was his half sister and he was her half brother. Both had the same father by name Terah. This agreement was their life insurance policy. Though they had been a married couple, to avert danger they would lie about their marriage. They would solemnly declare they were brother and sister. In this way, Sarah would save the life of Abraham. He was a very fearful person. Sarah would become the wife of the ruler of the land and she would save her life. And Abraham's life would be spared. Abraham's property would be safe. And Abraham would also receive cattle, sheep, slaves and large amount of money as dowry. All in all, this agreement of lie served as a very good life insurance policy. Abraham this way acquired great wealth from both Pharaoh of Egypt and King Abimelech of Gerar. The lie they used in Egypt they used again in Gerar after 25 years of spiritual journey. They never canceled this covenant of lie, this insurance policy as they followed the God of truth. You think about how much you lied as a Christian. Abimelech took Sarah as his wife in innocence. He acted righteously. He was more righteous than Abraham and Sarah. There are, friends, very moral pagans in the world. They act sometimes according to the works of God's law written in their hearts as we read in Romans 2 and verse 15. Since they show that the righteous requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing and even defending them. Every pagan has the works of the law written in their conscience. Abraham in Gerar reverts to fear. Though once he fought against four mighty kings and won. He's afraid now. Though God had told him, fear not, I am your shield and very great reward. Though God had told him, I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless, yet Abraham is going backward. But in his unfaithfulness, God in his faithfulness did not abandon him. Our God is always faithful to his 
covenant of love. He appeared to Abimelech and threatened him and his household with death. He inflicted them with horrible and painful diseases. He was ordered to return Sarah to Abraham to avert total disaster. He even honors Abraham, calling him as his prophet. He tells Abimelech that Abraham's prayer would heal him and his household. Abimelech obeys but rebukes Abraham and Sarah for lying and deceiving him. Abraham became a lying prophet. Abraham fails to confess his sin. He justified his sin, his lying due to extenuating circumstances. He had thought there was no fear of God in Gerar. This implies that Abraham feared God. And yet he lied. What a contradiction. Fear of God must keep one from lying. Abraham even incriminated God by saying, We agreed to lie when God had me wander from my father's household. God leads us to a destination of safety and salvation. God never makes us wander aimlessly. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank God he kept the moral Abimelech from sinning. Yet look at this. He did not prevent Abraham and Sarah from sinning. He let you sin. Nevertheless, God came to deliver his sinning servants. God will chasten us for our sins. Yet, not even our sins can separate us from the love of God. We learn from this episode that sin dwells in us, in our flesh, till we die. Look at the life of David, how this saint sinned against Bathsheba and murdered her husband. Friends, the Bible speaks always truth. It does not cover up our sins. Yet, saints of God, we don't have to sin. In regeneration, God has given us divine nature. God's laws are written in our hearts. God's Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts, empowering and guiding us in the way of God. We possess in our hands the word of God. And we belong to God's holy church, planted in the house of the Lord. And we receive daily God's abounding grace 
that we may abound in every good work. So we need not surrender to sin. By the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. When tempted, we are shown a way out that we pass the test of faith. The fear of God keeps us from sinning. Jesus taught us to watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation. How did Abraham and Sarah do in this test in chapter 20 of Genesis? They failed miserably. And his failure should serve us as a warning. And test number two. We look at Genesis 21. In chapter 21 we see the faithfulness of God but God had promised 25 years before is now fulfilled a year before he promised the birth of Isaac he said next year at this time Sarah would conceive and bring forth a son so we read In Genesis 18, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And Sarah will have a son. And now it is done. At the exact time God promised. So we read in Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah. That is the Lord visited Sarah. And did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him. Friends, the Lord was gracious. He visited Sarah to bless her. God raised up the dying bodies of 89-year-old Sarah and 99-year-old worn-out Abraham. God is a miracle-working God. All things are possible for him. Only believe. So by a divine miracle, Abraham became the father of Isaac, whom Sarah bore to him. She was barren and worn out. No problem for God Almighty. God's plan never changes. Wait for God to fulfill his plan for you. Don't help God out by your sinful plan of creating an Ishmael. Now finally Isaac arrived. Abraham's household was filled with laughter and happiness. They loved Isaac. He was weaned at age three. 
There was a great celebration, a feast of celebration. The 16-year-old Ishmael was there mocking at the whole thing because celebration was not in behalf of him. Sarah would not put up with his mocking. She is determined to cast out, to throw the bum out, the slave woman and her son. Sarah demanded Abraham to expel both of them immediately. This greatly distressed Abraham. Remember, friends, it was Sarah's plan to build for herself a family through Hagar. It was not God's plan. It was a sinful plan. It finally backfired. Now Sarah wants them thrown out. And Abraham did not want to do this very painful thing. Sin always brings pain with it. All must pay for their sins. Leviticus 26, 41 and 43. You must pay for your sins. In this life. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow that you will reap. Now God told him to listen to Sarah and do the painful. Cast out Hagar and Ishmael. And so he did and passed the test. He only gave them some water and some bread. That's all. No inheritance. All inheritance must go to Isaac the son of promise. This was the test to throw out his son and his mother. He obeyed God. Though painful and distressing, we must obey the will of God. Hagar and Ishmael are in the visible church. But in due time, God will cast them out to purify the church. Now test number three, Genesis 22. Isaac brought much happiness to the household of Abraham. Abraham loves Isaac dearly. He has grown up. Now he is a young man. Father and son are always together doing many things. They are inseparable. Now God comes with a demand that Abraham submit to an advanced spiritual test of faith. Whether he would love God with all his heart, whether he would give up all things for God. And we read in Luke 14 verse 33 in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. 
This was the test God gave Saint Peter. Do you love me more than these? Even your own life. But Abraham's test was more severe. He was to kill his darling son and burn him up in worship of God. Would you withhold your Isaac and fail the test of love or would you give up your Isaac? That is the test for all God's children. Here comes the demand. Take your son, your only son, your beloved son, and climactically Isaac. And go to a mountain and there offer him up as a burnt offering to God. For some time Abraham has been growing in faith. He immediately obeyed God. Psalm 119 says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. This is the hardest test Abraham ever faced or any human father would ever face. You may ask, is not human sacrifice a forbidden thing? Yes, but God has a right to destroy sinful men. It is the just thing. Not another man But father Abraham himself must kill his son and burn him up in holy worship of God. And he did it without wavering Abraham with the servants and Isaac and would went up to Mount Moriah. And it took three days. Abraham is resolute to obey God's command must ask how could he do this that is the question the key is found in Hebrews chapter 11 17 through 19 where we read by faith Abraham when tested God tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son even though God had said to him it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now the key Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham, in other words, exercised his spiritual reasoning capacity. There is a right way of reasoning and there is a wrong way. Only a true Christian who believes in the God of glory, in El Shaddai, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of miracles, reasons. Correctly and consistently. Divine reasoning has God of the scriptures in the center of his mind. 
the God of truth, the God who cannot lie, God for whom all things are possible. Those who reason falsely are those who refuse to believe in the God of the Bible. Centuries ago, great centers of learning like Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, Princeton championed this type of presuppositional reasoning. Reasoning from the Holy Scriptures. And you read Dr. Cornelius Van Til's book, The Defense of the Faith. So authentic Christianity is the only reasonable faith in the whole world. The fear of God, friends, is the beginning of wisdom. So Abraham reasoned based on God's word to him. He promised me a son when I was 75. He waited until Sarah and myself were as good as dead. Then he visited us and promised to give us a son by name Isaac. Next year at this time, he said. And next year came, he visited us. And we had Isaac. Therefore, God can be trusted. Now Isaac is a young man. We threw out Ishmael according to God's own order. Isaac is the only son I have. And I love him. I would rather die than to see him die. And God promised that he established his covenant in Isaac and in his descendants. God said, it is through Isaac my offspring will be reckoned. It is through Isaac God will build a great nation. It is through Isaac the Messiah, the Savior of the world is to come. And God is truth. And he never lied to me. His promise of Isaac. Therefore will be fulfilled. The rest of the promise. In other words will also be fulfilled. So Isaac would marry. And would have many descendants. A great nation. God will build through him. And through Isaac, the Messiah would come in whom all nations will be blessed. But God is now demanding that I must kill Isaac and sacrifice him in worship of God. This demand seems to contradict the promise. But there is no real contradiction in the true and living God. This apparent contradiction can be resolved when reasoned correctly. That is, God must raise up Isaac from his ashes. A greater miracle than Lazarus experienced. So that Isaac could come home with me and get married and have children. This was the reasoning of Abraham. 
as he traveled to Mount Moriah. This is why he told the two servants, we will go up the mountain, we will worship God and we will come back to you. And I surmise, Abraham told the same thing to Sarah before he left Beersheba. Isaac asked him one question. We have fire and wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And the answer came, Jehovah Jireh. God himself will see to it. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. This is the answer of faith. So Isaac carries on his head the wood that is to consume him. And to the same mountain Jesus carried his cross. We read in John 19.17 carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull. Friends, man's salvation is not man-made salvation. God alone must provide for man's salvation. And God provided not a ram, but God himself, God's eternal son. On Mount Moriah, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, and placed on top of the wood the bound submissive Isaac. As he was about to kill him, God stopped him. And we read, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, urgency. Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, Saul, Saul. I have something to say, urgent. Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked and there it was, what the Lord provided a ram. In the thicket caught by its horns, a substitute offering. Abraham unbound Isaac. And Isaac watched Abraham killing and sacrificing the ram in his stead. And God said, now I know that you fear God. What is fear of God? Professor H.W. Wolf tells us, It is obedience which does not hold back even what is most precious when God demands it and commits to God even that future which he himself has promised. Abraham passed his most severe test of faith most gloriously by God's grace. Friends, now obedience of faith always issues in further divine blessings. So we read 
In Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring. Here is the promise of the Messiah. All nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Friends, Isaac, like us, was a sinner. He cannot be our substitute. As I already said, God has provided for us a divine substitute. God, man, Jesus Christ, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. Jehovah Jireh. This was my parents' motto and this is my motto. God has provided for us a lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, listen to John the Baptist. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John 1.36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the lamb of God. And we read in Galatians 3.16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to his seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, that is Christ. And we read in Romans 8 verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He did not spare his own son. God gave him up to death of the cross on Calvary on Mount Moriah also called Jehovah Jireh. Abraham saw his son Jesus by faith as his substitute when he saw the ram provided by the Lord. Remember Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham rejoiced in his own salvation accomplished by his son, not Isaac, but Jesus. Jesus has become both priest and victim. He accomplished redemption for all elect sinners, for all who believe in him. He provides for all our needs, both physical and spiritual. And we read In Psalm 68 verse 19, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, in King James, who daily loadeth us with good things. And Jesus taught us to pray to God, give us today our daily bread. He said, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. 
physical and spiritual. All our needs are given to us in his son Jesus Christ. You may ask, has God provided for me a lamb? The answer is yes. So St. Paul says in Romans 10, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come with me. Let us all go to Mount Moriah, which is Mount Calvary, also called Jehovah Jireh. Come with me to Calvary. Not to be crucified for our sins, but to believe in the one crucified, dead, buried, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, seated on the right hand of God and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Let us believe in Jesus who took away our sin by his atoning death. This is good news of mega joy for all people of the world. Let's apply some of this truth. The first question is, have you experienced the miracle of new birth? A greater miracle than the birth of Isaac. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone, new has come. Nobody passes any test unless he experienced the unilateral, divine, monergistic, Miracle of regeneration. Number two. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you will give up everything you have for Christ's sake. There is no negotiation. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Remember the rich young ruler, he refused. His face fell and went away sad. He was an idolater. You must give up the most precious Isaac. You must lay him upon the altar. Number three. Know that you will be chastened for your sins. But they cannot separate you from God's love and God's salvation. Number four, God remains faithful even when we sometimes fail the test of faith. Number five, obedience of faith leads to greater divine blessings here and now. Number six, Jehovah Jireh will meet all our needs in Jesus Christ. Number seven, learn to reason biblically and you will prosper and you will praise the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Help us to apply your word. Help us, O Lord, to obey you exactly, immediately, and with glad heart. Grand grace to do it to all of us. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.